Three, two, one, zero, 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 zero. From the studios of WORQ in Wisconsin, this is the Stand Up For The Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up For The Truth. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in, and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to the podcast. Uh, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for sharing. Um, Scott Shera is my guest today with an update on the lawsuit that's going forward about the uh, regarding the murder of his daughter, Grace, about a year and a half ago. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're a lot of uh, information. There's a new documentary coming out that will be in theaters in a week. Or less, and a lot, some interesting articles that are um, really, I think, important to look at today. But uh, let's just start with introducing, reintroducing Scott. He's been on the show many, many times. He's a he's a friend of the podcast and a personal friend, founder and president of Our Amazing Grace's Light Shines On Incorporated. Or you can simply go to the website, check out if, if you haven't yet, ouramazinggrace.net. And uh, so many things he's trying to warn Americans about. And uh, Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Well, it's great to be here. It's neat that you said a friend of the podcast because you know when you're a friend, is the guys start kicking you when you get in. And it's been <laughs> <laughs> it's great the jousting that goes on here. Yeah, well, we um, we are looking forward to this update on your lawsuit and what you have researched and need to remind people of, uh, particularly that. What was in Obamacare? That is really eye-opening because a lot of people called them conspiracy theorists and all oh, lies. That's not true. And it's right there in black and white. But first, I want to start off before we get an update on your podcast and your guests. Really good story. Um, Boston doctors have performed a first-of-its-kind surgery on an unborn baby. This is a brain surgery, a groundbreaking surgery on a baby still in the womb, um, it's amazing. The parents say they had no doubt that God would perform a miracle. Well, God used the hands of a physician, um, a doctor to do this, and it's amazing what they can do. We've heard about different heart procedures on um, babies in the womb. Now we have a brain surgery, the first of its kind, and it, it's just phenomenal. The baby is apparently doing very, very well. And um, so there's the story. We'll link it to the web notes here on our StandUpForTheTruth.com blog. And again, it's called Miracle. Boston doctors perform first of its kind brain surgery on on unborn baby. Why bring that up? Because we're talking about, I've been talking a lot about the image of God and the attack, the assault on the image of God in mankind, in men and women. And that means when we are in the womb, when we are middle age, when we are teenagers, when we are um, maybe some are in hospice, every human life has value. And even those with Down syndrome, every human life, some with diseases, some with uh, you know their handicaps. But this proves, again, what did, what did we fall for about 20, 30 years ago, Scott, that there was actually a really push that convinced a lot of people that what was in a human mother's womb, a pregnant mother's womb, was not living. It's just an amazing lie of the enemy. Or either it was not living or it is not human. 
Your thoughts on that, because we've reported on surgeries, heart surgeries, on babies in the womb. We've reported on the importance of that. But there is definitely an agenda, whether it falls under depopulation or something else, to kill, steal, and destroy, to kill the unborn and others. Well, there's no doubt about that. We've talked before about the banality of evil. And so banality means commonplace. Evil so commonplace that we don't recognize it. So mm. if you just think back to when Roe versus Wade became the equivalent of law, so then over time that became an acceptable standard. Exactly. That's the banality of evil. And so when a doctor now is participating in that, the couple is getting a recommendation from a white coat they trust to have an abortion. So that's the banality of evil at the boots on the ground level. So that's why it's happening. It's it's part of how Satan infiltrates the culture one step mm-hmm. at a time and pretty soon we you know we lose a Supreme Court election in Wisconsin over this issue. How is that even possible? I know. It's because it was decades in the making. Yeah, this I'm glad you brought that up. This what happened in Wisconsin. For those of you that aren't in Midwest, uh, we're a swing state here in Wisconsin, and we just flipped the Supreme Court over to leftist, liberal, activist, uh, radical, Democrat, Marxist. So, uh, but it was all, it was primarily over the issue of life, human life in a mother's womb, and whether that's, that should be filed under choice and reproductive freedom, or the health and privacy of the mother, or whether that should be under protecting every single human life. The sanctity of life, which is what the Bible teaches. If you are a Christian, you know what the Bible teaches. So I bring up often, this goes back over a hundred years, the evil work of Margaret Sanger and what she did, what was the success she had in the destruction of human life in America and around the world. Cause she, part of her work in eugenics was in, it inspired those who were working with Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, we have documentation on that, obviously. Remember Vera? Vera was on the, Vera Sharav. You did a podcast with her last year here and many, many interviews. Um, she, I, I, I mentioned a name to her and it rattled her. The name is Ernst Rudin. He was one of Hitler's top psychiatrists or eugenicists. He wrote for Margaret Sanger's birth control review in America in, I believe, the early 1920s. And he was one, and they said what, America was doing with uh, eugenics and population control was truly inspiring to their movement of evil. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, America is behind all of this evil. And the slippery slope that I referenced earlier, if you process this from a biblical perspective, grace always leads to works. And the reason I say that is because the law of entropy or the second law of thermodynamics is the slippery slope in action. If you don't defend the position of God's grace, you will eventually believe in works because Mm -hmm. we always go opposite. That's the law of entropy always takes us opposite to the truth. And Satan knows this. And so he puts these little milestones in place that are seemingly innocent but it's one small step at a time, and pretty soon we're 180 degrees away from the truth. Amen. I agree, brother. Um, so let's transition here. 
There's a documentary coming out. We're going to get into this more later in the podcast, but I just want to get it out there so you guys can be aware of it. It's called Breaking the Oath. It's put on by America First Productions, and you're starring in this, Scott, aren't well, you? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't ever want to be the star. I'm a, you know, it's, it's. Well, tell hum- us about it. Yeah, it's humbling to to just be in this. Uh, so this it started with that idea of Grace's story. One of the uh, ladies whose podcast I was on contacted me and said, when she saw the timeline of Grace's meds in her last day, she said, I think you need to do a documentary on this. And ultimately that led to a man that I know in Green Bay, Jeff Wagner, who has America's First Productions. I had met Jeff early on. Mm. He was one of the very first who interviewed me 15 months ago. Wow. And so I asked him if he'd be interested and he decided to take the project on you know, and ultimately became way bigger than both him and I expected, partially <laughs> because of things that have happened in the meantime. Yep. And so, for example, I met Stacy Ogresnik. So she's in the documentary. She is the one from Michigan whose husband was murdered, and she has video and audio footage. So she's in the documentary. Wow. Um, of course, I met Vera. So Vera's in the documentary. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Nurse Aaron, who's the first one who exposed hospital murders mm. in New York way back in March of 2020. Or it may have been, well, she, I think she wrote her book in May of 2020. So I think she exposed it in March of 2020. And then last but not least, you might remember in November, Cindy, my wife and I rescued Robert Pazer out of St. Mary's Hospital in Green Bay. Yes, yes. And him and his mom are in the film. Wow. So it's called Breaking the Oath. It's a documentary in certain select theaters and in, in our area, our neck of the woods in northeast Wisconsin. It's going to be in, at the De Pere Cinema, the Get Real Cinema on St. George Street. That's May 21st, Sunday. Do I have that correct? Yes. Sunday at 4 o'clock. I've already got two tickets. Not four. 115. Oh, like I said, 115. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was looking at 115 to 4 o'clock. Yes. So 115 Sunday. Um, is it free? So you can go to get tickets. They're $8. Okay. We did uh, a special invite to all friends at the beginning. And, okay. And so that was the one that were, were free. It's $8 a ticket. Okay. So I'll still pay $8. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> uh, it's not that anybody listening isn't our friend. But, but I've got my, just, yeah, I've got you've my got tickets ticket printed already. out already. So there's a few tickets left. If you go to americasfirstproductions.com, it's mm-hmm. 1ST. Uh, you can order the ticket. It's at 115 uh, Cindy, I, Jess, uh, my daughter Jess, uh, Robert Pazer, and his mom will all be there. Oh, wow. So we're going to take questions afterward okay. live. Uh, so that'll, oh, be, wow. that'll be pretty neat. One fifteen this Sunday, this coming Sunday, in De Pere at the Get Real Cinema. It's, again, breaking the oath. The website, the website, the website. It's AmericaFirstProductions.com. That's America 1ST. First, America1stproductions.com. We will put that link at standupforthetruth.com. We haven't even got your lawsuit update yet. I want to ask you briefly, and then we'll get back to some phenomenal quotes from the trailer of Breaking the Oath. Um, who's been on your podcast lately? Well, the one last week who you've, you're showing me is Dr. Brzezinski. Who's that? Uh, Dr. Brzezinski is one of the few individuals still practicing in the United States who has invented a cure for cancer, a real cure, not the cure that we've been programmed to accept, which is chemo and radiation. Mm -hmm. This is a real cure. And the federal government tried to steal his invention, 
So I've got the actual paperwork in the last podcast from last week showing the paperwork. The federal government tried to steal it, file a patent, and they disclose right in the patent that his cure works and chemo and radiation do not work. It's literally in the patent. So I show that. And, you know, Dr. Brzezinski, there's so many doors that open. And what happened here is somebody sent me a link to a documentary from 2015 on Dr. Brzezinski. And it went all the way back and showed his research. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, this is really a miracle that this guy did this. Because most people that have invented cancer cures are, for some reason, no longer here. And he's still going. And so I reached out to his What are you implying, Scott? (laughs) (laughs) They're they're killing off people that have the cure? Well, think through where we're at. We can cure anything. You just talked about brain surgery for an unborn. I mean, there's absolutely no reason that we should not have cancer Mm. cured. Mm. And even bigger, I mean, cancer was invented by the Rockefellers, so it never should have even come into our society. Mm. But there's obviously cures. But if there is an agenda, which I believe there is, to control the population in many different ways, one is through killing, you know, the cure for cancer cannot get out. Hmm. So the door that God opened up after Cindy and I watched this documentary a couple months ago, I sent an email thinking, boy, I'd really think this guy would be great on the podcast. And I just <laughs> thought there's no way they'll ever respond. And about two weeks later, his assistant responded, and wow, it happened. And Phenomenal. He, w- he was a neat guest. Yeah, so that's Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski. And that was a week or two ago, right? On it was last week. Last week on your podcast. Where can people get listen to that podcast or watch? So on Grace's main website, OurAmazingGrace.net, mm-hmm. There's a tab for deprogramming, and my podcast is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad, and you'll see see it in the in the links there. And all a, the historic programs. Are okay, there. and there's also a website now, graceshera.com. Yes. Um, there, that's available. We'll put that in the notes. Okay. Um, back. To, okay, I'll, I'll just ask you, where do you want to go from here? Do you want to go to some of the quotes from Breaking the Oath, or do you want to give us an update on your lawsuit? Because we've got uh, 15 minutes here in this next Well, thing. let's talk about the lawsuit okay. first. You know, the, <clears throat> today is the biggest day of our campaign so far. So Why is just that? to take people back, our campaign started on December 2nd of 2021. <laughs> Grace died on October 13th of 2021, or I should say she was murdered on October 13th of 2021. And it took me... Uh, quite a few months to realize that she was murdered. I thought this was first malpractice, you know, that, okay, well, she was killed, but, I mean, it had to be an accident. And so why did the the uh, mission that we're on start December 2nd? Well, because on November 8th of 2021, I had invested time with a doctor, and her and I had put together the records in enough of a format that we thought, well, you know, I have a biblical responsibility to meet with the CEO and the doctor. So he sent them to Ascension Hospital through patient relations requesting that meeting. They denied the meeting on December 2nd. So then I thought... So they didn't want to meet with you? They would not meet with me. Did they give a reason? No, there's no reason. They just said, we'll send a letter. So I thought, why, that seems strange. Why wouldn't you just want to meet? So did you send them the records, all that you had on Grace? 
or, or I sent them the summary that we put together. Okay. And a number of other <clears throat> related documents. So obviously they have the records. Right. So they didn't need my copy of the records, but we had summarized everything and put it together in timelines and things that it was enough that they could see. And my thought was, you know, I was so naive at the time. I just thought, well, they would want to see this so it doesn't happen to somebody else. And so what happened next is we sent a uh, request for an investigation to the Department of Safety and Professional Services. That is the organization in Wisconsin that regulates the doctors and nurses licenses. And we sent a uh, request specifically on uh, investigating Dr. Shokar's um, actions relative to Grace's death. And they wrote us a letter on January 20th, which we received on January 24th, that said they did an investigation, the doctor didn't do anything wrong. So that was the first day Mm. that I started waking up. And what I started waking up to was that I think they're all in on this. And that led to... This was a a year ago, January. A year ago, January, right. And so that led to a a lot of research and... Then I really did a deep dive into Grace's medical records and came to the conclusion she was murdered. And this is actually part of a lot bigger scheme, a genocide scheme. And then the Epic Times did an article on us in June. They were the first one that was willing to call this genocide. You know, at that time, people wouldn't even interview me because I was calling it that. Yeah. They did. And, you know, now it's, it seems to be way more common. Okay. I want you to answer the question, um, why you're calling it genocide. But first, for those new listeners that don't know the details, Grace was 19. She had Down syndrome. She was in the hospital with COVID and she was given a, a DNR was placed on her, do not resuscitate against the family's wishes. And they gave her three different drugs that were lethal for any human being, from what I understand. Uh, but should they should have never been given together? Did I miss anything? And can you? Just, yeah. yeah. That's the blinding flash of the obvious. We have to introduce Grace to the, to the crowd, right? Yeah, yeah, we can't assume. So thank yeah. you for that. Sure. So I'm going to introduce Grace. I should have done that first. So Grace was just, 19. Yeah. She had Down syndrome. <laughs> Grace was an absolute joy, and I'm going to come back to that when I read a document later on in the second half of the program, but she was a joy beyond joy. She was, um, well, just to give you a simple perspective, she called my wife earthly mom. She called me earthly dad. Oh, my goodness. She was so sharp. You know, who does that? So anyway, her... Her stay in the hospital started October 6th. I was with her from October 6th through the 10th. I was taken out by an armed guard on the 10th on Grace's last day, which was October 13th. Because you were taken out of the room? I was taken out of a, by an armed guard. because Why? Well, they gave me three reasons. Number one is they <laughs> said, you've been shutting off the alarms at night. And I said, well, I've been trained to do that. The nurses trained me to shut off the non-essential alarms because it often takes them 20 minutes to come in. And, and it would wake Grace up. it would wake Grace up, yeah. right. And then second, they, the, this is the head nurse when I say they. So she was with an armed guard, and she said, we suspect you have COVID. And, I mean, that's completely laughable because, of course, I have COVID. They told me I'm going to get COVID. Assuming Grace had COVID and assuming I had COVID, I tested myself the, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on October 7th, the first day in the hospital, because mm-hmm. I had a fever, and I tested positive with a home test. So, I mean, yeah, of course I have COVID. And then third, she said, the last three shifts of nurses don't want you in the room. And that's really the impetus behind taking me out. And the reason they didn't want me in the room is because I was challenging what they were doing Mm. from, you know, from lack of feeding Grace. You know, they wouldn't feed her. 
you know, and I, and I showed them how you can do it, and they would not do it. But the the one that I really like to share, just to show people uh, how it works inside of a hospital system, is October 9th, Grace got up, she wanted to eat, and so I started feeding her. Of course, Grace could feed herself, but not with a BiPAP mask on. Okay. So I started feeding her. The nurse came running in and said, you can't do that. I said, what's the reason? She said, her oxygen saturation is only at 85%. So I thought, this can't be. So I put my own meter on Grace, and it read 95%. So I called her back in. I said, is my meter accurate? She said, yes, it is. I said, well, then why is your meter reading at 85%? Yeah. And she said, well, because the leads get sweaty. So then I said, well, if that's known, why aren't you proactively changing out the leads every three, four hours? I don't, you know, whatever it yeah, takes, given yeah. this is the primary statistic you're using to manage my daughter's care. And she shook her finger at me and said, you should just be thankful you caught this. So that gives you kind of a perspective wow. of what was going on. And, you know, it's, you know, ultimately, you know, that was the main excuse that they use. But, you know, Grace's, you, you nailed Grace's last day. I mean, a combination of three meds that nobody could have survived, that was the cause of death. Okay, how do you know? I mean, I know they were on the package inserts with warning labels. I mean, it's pretty clear, but the nurses, when they're in their day-to-day activity, they, they're not opening up the package. They're not reading the warning labels. They're just doing what is prescribed, I guess, by the doctor. Sure. I mean, you can say that as an excuse, but just process the reality of it. So these meds were Presidex, lorazepam, and morphine. Look up the morphine package insert. The morphine package insert says to not combine those meds because they can cause death. And it says specifically, if you do combine those meds, keep the reversal drug bedside and monitor the patient. Okay, so that didn't happen. After they gave Grace morphine at 615, no doctor or nurse stepped foot in her room, period. For that combination of meds to happen... Number one, the doctor had to order them, Mm -hmm. obvious. Number two, the pharmacist had to sign off. Number three is the alarm had to be overridden because those meds are contraindicated. And number four, the nurse in charge of Grace's care that day had 14 years of ICU experience on top of her nursing experience. So that's how I came to the conclusion that... They knew. That they knew, absolutely. And then we have doctors who have said that, that this this combination killed your daughter. So, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that that's the situation. But, you know, so then how would I really know? I guess you could know, you know, hypothetically, you could have all the people who gave Grace those meds take them themselves and see what happens. But they would never do that. Um, Okay, so let's make the leap. We've only got five minutes left before we want to play a clip that you brought in that's pretty eye-opening. Um, so let's take the leap to genocide. How did you, I know you've done a ton of research. I know I've done research. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, Margaret Sanger, the eugenics movement, um, what they're doing now. The five states in America have legalized euthanasia or whatever they call it, physician-assisted suicide, whatever they want to term it as. So how do you make the leap regarding Grace's case not being a, an isolated case? Well, first, God's got me up twice real early, 3.30 in the morning to do research. And one of those mornings was to look at the records in a detailed fashion, more detailed, and just look for some specific things. So one of the things I looked at was the words related to Down syndrome or the words related to Down syndrome, trisomy, you know, anything related to Down syndrome. And 
while Grace was in the hospital for seven days, 22 doctors entered her room. The reason I know that is because every time a doctor enters a room, they have to write a report. So mm. there's 22 doctors' reports. Wow. And they referenced the fact that Grace had Down syndrome 36 different times. So process Why, why that. would that be even necessary? It would be necessary one time, assuming that you're going to research a standard of care that's different for Down syndrome. Okay. It would be no different than putting, if you saw that on my medical records, I'm in the same hospital, seven days, same <laughs> 22 doctors. If they reference man has gray hair 36 different times, you would think there's a bias towards gray hair, yeah. right? Because it makes no sense. What does that have to do with anything? It has nothing right? to do with anything. Exactly. So do, that, no, do no harm, help the patient. <laughs> that's right. That's your job. That's their job. Yeah. yeah. So that was the first clue. And then that led to, okay, where does Down syndrome fit with beneficiality of evil? And then I dug into that and I started to see this picture. And so Down syndrome in most countries is like Denmark has a 98% abortion rate with Down syndrome people in the womb. And we know in America, in, in Amer that's been promoted. Yes. And then doctors often say to women who are pregnant, say they if they believe the baby has Down syndrome, they will tr encourage or counsel them to uh, kill the unborn, kill their baby to eliminate that and life. it's almost at, it, in the United States, it's almost at 70% of Down syndrome wow. children are eliminated in the womb. So there is a bias toward okay. Down syndrome. So genocide is a bias towards anything. And, you know, Down syndrome was what I was looking at at the time. Well, that led to then the research on the Holocaust, which led to Vera. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, this is substantially bigger than genocide. Yes, It's a eugenics population reduction agenda, mm -hmm. and that's when I was woken up to that idea in July. And most of us understand now a little bit more due to the climate activism and the environmental movement that are it's all about human beings being the problem, so you've got to reduce the population. That's nothing new. The Rockefellers were involved in this. Bill Gates has mentioned these. You know, they've used vaccines. They've used all kinds of things, but anyway, this has gone on for a while. So set up this clip. We're going to take a break in three minutes. Set up this clip we are about to hear, and when we come back, we'll talk about it. So, you know, I'm clearly in the hospital murder lane. You know, when people hear that, they think this can't be. It's impossible. You know, we're in the United States of America. There's no way that this is happening in hospitals. I get that. Yeah. It is by far and away the biggest thing that we are up against is changing people's beliefs. So I understand that. Yeah. You know, the lawsuit will open hopefully open eyes. We have the biggest day of the lawsuit coming today so far because May 15th is the deadline for the responses from Ascension Hospital, the five doctors and two nurses um, to just to get ready for the lawsuit. There's a whole legal team behind this. The law firm that is involved with the support of the legal team is the Mendenhall Law Firm out of Ohio. And this clip I want to play, Warner Mendenhall was interviewed by Children's Health Health Defense two weeks ago. Okay. And we're going to play that now before the break. Okay, go ahead. There are situations that we have seen that I believe deserve prosecution for murder. And and we will be working. Uh, we, these are obviously fairly extreme, and we have to have very good evidence before a prosecutor will step up. But there are cases where we now believe there are healthcare personnel who murdered their patients. And, and when we 
know of those situations, we are trying to get the medical records, get the evidence accumulated, get the recordings. Sometimes the families have taken recordings that show that this is murder. So we do have some criminal uh, aspects to this. And I think just convicting or even bringing charges against some doctors and even hospital systems for murder uh, will shift the chemistry of this and, and put the fear of God uh, back in uh, to the white coats who have led us astray in this process. Okay, we're going to take a break in a minute. When we come back, we'll unpack that a little bit, what he said. Again, who was that, Scott? That was Warner Mendenhall. Okay. If you look Warner up, you'll see that he's a nationally known attorney. He is the attorney on the Brooke Jackson case, which we'll dive into right after we get back. Yes, and another case we're going to dive into is another woman named uh, Ohio native Teresa or Terry Donahue Jenkins. Uh, she had a fulfilling life. Um, she got the COVID shot so she can go see her grandchild, and now she's plagued by health problems. And I know many people in our audience can relate. Um, they know someone who has had s- some health problems because of getting the vaccine. Also, we're going to talk about breaking the oath, the documentary coming out. We'll get into a little bit more detail. Uh, one of the quotes in the trailer is fascinating. We forget the fact that for months the World Health Organization – the media and Anthony Fauci told us ivermectin was not effective in treating COVID-19. We now know that that is not accurate. Many, many more quotes from that documentary. Again, we'll put it in the podcast notes at StandUpForTheTruth.com. It's called Breaking the Oath, and it alleges COVID hospital genocide. So we know there's some disturbing things going on. You don't hear a lot about it because the media is complicit That's the part, Scott, where we say uh, maybe 50 years ago, many would say that could never happen in America. Well, we're here, friends, so we need to get information, pray for discernment, and decide what to do. And uh, here we are talking about to raise awareness. A lot more coming up with Scott Shera on Stand Up For The Truth. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Our guest today, Scott Scherer. I realize the uh, topic and the content can be disturbing, friends. Um, I don't believe it's surprising if you've read the Bible and if you understand the wicked heart of man. Uh, What I am very disappointed in is those that are in denial and remain in denial after having been presented with facts and truth and information. That is disappointing, the denial factor. Also, the denial factor is the fact that we've got people in our culture, in our country, calling evil good and good evil. You know what the Bible says about that in Isaiah 5.20. God warns, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. So, Scott, let's talk about this case briefly, and we're going to go back to that quote that we heard, that uh, audio clip. Um, a woman got the, the COVID shot so she could see her grandchild, and she's got a lot of health problems now. She had a fulfilling life, uh, but she was under pressure from her family. And she, like similar to my wife, she got the Pfizer uh, COVID-19 vaccine, and um, she's having a lot of issues now. And, and so she's from Pinkerton, Ohio. Um, she was operating her a pet-sitting and dog-walking dog business, so she had to be active. And, of course, uh, spending time with her son, her grandchild, um, her daughter's second child. But 
she worked out regularly as well, and she was in really good shape, exceptional, exceptional shape in 2021. That was before she took her first and only dose, just one dose, of the Pfizer uh, COVID-19 vaccine in July. And she immediately experienced an adverse reaction to the shot, which at this point hundreds of thousands, if not millions, have, and there are many cases documented and, of course, many deaths. In this woman's case, Scott, uh, the coming days it, after this immediate reaction, it morphed into several severe adverse events, including a series of mini strokes. And we could go on, but that's just to introduce this one particular story, and that's uh, available uh, over at Children's Health Defense. So, Scott, this is not an isolated case. I think most people, I would suggest a majority of even Americans have heard of someone by this point. I mean that they know personally um, that either had adverse reaction or possibly had died. And most of us have also seen headlines from around the world of young, healthy athletes that have had strokes, cardiac arrest, um, all these different things, and many have died. Uh, Scott, this is just another case. Well, it is another case, but it represents, uh, as you said, million. It's it. Uh, the estimate is there's going to be two billion reactions worldwide to the jab. What's interesting when it, you frame this in terms of the propaganda. So you said most people have heard now. I mm-hmm. I agree that you know, I think we've crossed over to the majority of Americans have heard or know somebody that something has happened to. So that's a step in the right direction. But there's we're still programmed, and I want to I want to drill something down. So we introduced Warner Mendenhall before the break. Yes, Warner is the attorney on the Brooke Jackson case, and I want to explain this Brooke Jackson case because it directly applies to the propaganda, and what happened to this lady. So Brooke Jackson was hired by Pfizer. She realized that they weren't doing testing, so she filed a False Claims Act lawsuit on January 8th of 2021. January 8th, 2021. The False Claims Act legislation was put in place so that anybody defrauding the government would be called to task. And so she received whistleblower status for filing a False Claims Act Mm. claim against Pfizer. Pfizer's defense was that we didn't have to test because we have what's called an OTA, Other Authority Agreement, with the Department of Defense to produce a prototype. To the shock of everybody, the U.S. government, instead of backing Brooke Jackson, backed Pfizer. And I'm going to read what they wrote in their pleadings and then tie this together mm-hmm. with the propaganda. Sure. They wrote, this is in page 9, uh, or actually page 10 of the government's pleadings. They, they tagged on with, with Pfizer. Hmm. They wrote the complaint, that's Brooks' complaint, does not plead factual content to support a conclusion that compliance with the clinical trial protocol or regulations was necessary. So there was no trial necessary uh. under the contract between Pfizer and the Army. So the government is admitting this was never a vaccine. Okay, I cannot emphasize that enough. They admitted that it was never a vaccine. All right, so then where does the propaganda come in? All right, the propaganda, unbelievably, so here's a a golden opportunity, right? The judge 
dismissed the case just in March. Just a couple months ago, the judge dismissed the case. Of course, Warner's team is going to appeal, Mm -hmm. but the judge could have opened the door for discovery, and then we could have got national attention. Wow. So there's no national attention to this case. There should be. Everybody should know about this case. Yes. Part of informed consent. You should know about this case. So then they're still implementing the jab. So you and I talked right before the show. They're still implementing the jab. So how do they do this? Who's they? They is... Medicare and Medicaid has boots on the ground that require anybody, any company, any medical facility that receives money through Medicare and Medicaid to toe the line and keep spreading the propaganda. So I'm going to play a voicemail right now. This is mind-blowing to everybody. This is a local business that is a compounding pharmacy. Thank you for calling. We continue to offer COVID vaccinations for those over the age of 12 every Tuesday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on a walk-in basis. No appointment is needed. Wow. We currently have the Pfizer bivalent and Novavax vaccines available. The second bivalent booster is now approved, and those that are 65 years old and haven't had a COVID vaccine in the last four months are eligible. Feel free to contact us with additional questions. Okay, so it's available... Available for anyone over 12, and I know a lot of people, the media, in the government, they wanted to get children, young children, uh, vaccinated. Um, there's a lot of confusion over, over the, the fact that this is still being promoted and rolled out when here we are, what, what month is this? May of 2023. Uh, good news, though, Scott. Uh, one of the major hospital systems in Green Bay said that masks are now optional, so that's good news. Uh, but <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's so so ridiculous. You have to laugh. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, you you know that I just dialed that number. This is live. Yeah. This isn't a voicemail that I had saved. This is yeah. live today. You call that number and you're going to get that recorded message. So that's Why? a local pharmacy. This is not a big hospital system. This is a lo- This is a pharmacy in the Green Bay area that says, "Hey, every Tuesday, come on in and get get the vaccine." Really amazing. Interestingly, this is where I get my ivermectin prescription <laughs> refilled, and I drove through the drive-through, and I had heard, you know, I heard that to get the prescription refilled, and so when I picked it up, I asked the young guy, you know, do I need to, you know, have any gap between my fifth booster and getting another one? And you know, I was just jousting with fifth him. booster, <laughs> and he said, "Well, let me get the pharmacist. I will that way we can check." And I said, I'm just kidding around. I said, I'm here to pick up ivermectin. I'm not here, you know, this, I said, are you familiar with this? That what's going on? And, you know, he was not familiar at all. No, so, you know, of no. course, he spent a minute just, just doing his attempting job. Attempting to, to educate him. So, Scott, back to what you brought up earlier, um, Obamacare and death panels. Boy, they, they tried to mock and laugh at anyone that would suggest such a thing. That was, wow, back in 2010? March 23rd, 2010. 2010. That's almost 13 years ago, almost exactly. And they're saying, okay, this, there's no way. And again, it's that American mentality that wants to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that that could never happen here. Why would that not happen here? Is it just because of our Constitution? Just because of how we've operated for a couple hundred years? Why would that, why would evil not invade our land? And cultural Marxism or the the evil agendas that would uh, depopulation and just different things. It is evil. 
It is demonic, these agendas. Why would that? America's borders, we have open borders. (laughs) Anything could come across our border. But what I'm saying is anything could infiltrate human beings in any country in the world because we. this is at the foundation of spiritual battle. It is a battle between forces of darkness and those who claim the name of Christ. It's also a battle... As I mentioned earlier, it's an attack on the image of God in man. Um, the enemy the enemy wants to take out human life, and there are minions, there are people in place that are perfectly willing to see this carried out. The globalists at the World Economic Forum, the National Institute of Health. I've got another story over here. They're, they're doing these experiments, I guess, on transgender minors at the NIH. And so far, a two have died, and now this just broke. The story just broke, and so you go. Okay, they're pumping hormones into these kids, and, and it's just okay. Let's watch what happens. Let's do this study, and now they're learning. Kids are dying. This is not by mistake. And now I have open vares in front of me. Two point four million reports of adverse events uh, due to the vaccine. That's at open vares. V a e r s. Dot com. So Obamacare. What? Yeah, just keying off of VARES, I mean, the people who have studied VARES believe that VARES represents anywhere between 1% and 10%. Yeah, so multiply 10%. that number it's by... It's under, underreported. It's underreported. So multiply that number by a minimum of 10 and as much as 100. So, I mean, at a minimum, we're talking about 25 million adverse yeah. events. Yeah. You know, that's significant. That's, that's uh, you know, approaching 10% of the U.S. population, which we know it's it's even bigger than that. But, you know, what is going on here, keying off of what you said, Satan and his minions, one of the big lies is that we are inherently good. If you believe that, then you have a hard time accepting evil. Yes. And Satan has done a fantastic job of sowing that lie. If you believe we're inherently bad, which is what the Bible says, well, then you can see this and you can start protecting yourself against it. Mm. So now getting into Obamacare, I want to set this up. Because okay. how they got Obamacare passed, and what I'm going to show you is so evil, but how they did this is with the spirit of collectivism. So collectivism says that we need to do things for the good of the population, not the good of the individual. And so this type of agenda has been infiltrated in all the medical schools. So, the, And I'm going to prove it with the other document that I have. So in the medical schools, they're teaching that we need to ration care. Uh, when Obamacare was passed, the, as you remember, the chief architect for Obamacare is Ezekiel Emanuel, and he specifically said in 1996 that once you are a non-contributing member of society, and I have news for everybody, all of us are going to be non-contributing someday. When we become non-contributing, we don't deserve medical care. And that is the man who is the chief architect for Obamacare. Yes. So you think, well, how is this even possible? It's because we have gotten, not you and I, but our country has bought into this idea of collectivism. Mm-hmm. And is there a time where we need to triage? Well, sure. But triaging should not be the normal course. They're <laughs> triaging as part of the entry into the hospital systems. Mm. That is not appropriate whatsoever to put DNRs on people who are non-contributing citizens. That's not acceptable. Yeah. You know, and you, I didn't answer one of your questions from earlier when you asked about other cases. I mean, I have talked with hundreds of families now, yeah. lots of illegal DNRs. 
and you know this should not happen. How is it even possible? How is it even possible what happened in the last 39 months? Well, the good news about the last 39 months is it exposed this agenda. Yes. This agenda, COVID was a deflection. The agenda is way bigger than that, and Obamacare codified the agenda in the United States. And how why people don't know about this is the propaganda. The yep. United States is absolutely the best country in the world at projecting its sin mm. on everybody else on the planet. So you naughty Canadians with your MAID program, Medical Assistance in Dying. Yep. We've talked we about had that. MAID, we invented MAID. I'm going to show you Section 1553 of Obamacare. Wait a minute. This is actually in the law? In the law. In Obamacare. So Obamacare I'm, I'm is 900. I've seen this. So let, I want you to read this. Obamacare is 974 pages long. That's this it? Is, the, yeah. This is page 141. Yeah. And, but, but every congressman and senator surely read through the whole thing. <laughs> Even if they didn't, they're responsible. And yeah. this, shows, on it. this shows they're all in on it. Yep. Because why didn't they repeal it when they had the chance? Exactly. They had the chance and they didn't repeal it because mm. they didn't want to. All right, so Section 1553, here's the title, Prohibition Against Discrimination on Assisted Suicide. Okay. So we can't discriminate on assisted suicide. So just wrap your head around that. Why are we even talking about assisted suicide? Why do we need to have a law that does, we can't discriminate okay. against? All right, so these are, I'm going to read this word for word. Word for word so from out, the outside, pages they have, of They have a number of words for government. So I'm just going to say with those words, the government. Okay. So the government may not subject an individual, those are the doctors, or an institution, those are the the hospitals, an institutional health care entity, to discrimination on the basis that that entity does not provide any health care item or service furnished for the purpose of causing or for the purpose of assisting in causing the death of any individual, such as by assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing. So they're saying specifically, if you are a hospital system, medical system, or a doctor, and you do not want to participate in the required assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing, you cannot be discriminated against by the government. All right? So now, what did we see with COVID? Were the doctors who stood up discriminated against? Well, no kidding. They were not just shunned, but hundreds, thousands of them have lost their licenses. So... This is the, you know, so you can't make up what I just read, but here's the icing on the cake is, so that's sub A. Okay. 1553 sub A. Sub D, if the doctor or hospital system is discriminated against, they appeal to the Health and Human Services Secretary. Okay. HHS. HHS. The HHS Secretary is likely the most evil man in America. And the reason I say that is he had... The, and still has the unilateral authority to implement the public health emergency, which started on January 31st of 2020, and re-upped it every 90 days. He's the only one who could do that and the only one who end, could end it. Wow. So that man is, and we're supposed to, these doctors who have a conscience that don't want to follow Obamacare are supposed to appeal to the most corrupt person in the United States. That man on Thanksgiving Day implemented Death panels. Yep. Okay, death panels. You can see the death panels are in Obamacare, but they gave some more teeth to death panels. And while there's a public health emergency, he can 
put policy in place that becomes the equivalent of law because we're under a public health emergency. Mm. So he wasted no time to codify the death panels on Thanksgiving Day 2022. So Scott, where did you get this and can people access this? Absolutely. It's it you can it, it, I I googled it or whatever. I Pub- I have I have brave so I just typed in Obamacare. Okay, public you, law 111-148 and it says March 23, 2010. And what what Scott just read was 124 statute 259. And so it's not by the page here, but you, 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 can, you, you did can, read this. Yeah, you can just Google it. You'll see, yep. you can download it. It's a 974-page PDF. And <laughs> just to save you time, go to page 141. And don't hit print yeah, <laughs> don't for hit. the whole thing, yeah, right. especially if you're at work somewhere. <laughs> don't hit print. I mean, can you imagine that? That'll be, oh, Lord. Okay. All right, so then how do they, you think, okay, this is just in, this can't be law. Right. Well, okay, it is well, law. I just it. read it. Well, okay? they passed I just read it. But they yeah. can't be implementing this, right? Well, they are implementing it. Well, of course. All right, so three weeks ago, we were given this document by a researcher in the UK. This is from the Palliative Care Network of Wisconsin. All right, so put your own state in here okay. because it's all over the country. It's all over the world. This is titled, this is a training document for medical providers. So understand that. And okay. the title of this training document is Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome. It is written by two MDs okay. for doctors and nurses to implement the standard of care with people with Down Syndrome. All right. So they introduce Down Syndrome. So they don't say these people are gifts from God. They just are full of love. No. They just they list about 40 problems that Down Syndrome people have. So just to give you a couple of highlights, sleep apnea, osteoporosis, congenital hip dislocation, uh, respiratory problems, thyroid dysfunction, blah, 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 blah. So they are listing all these problems. Well, what would be the purpose of listing all the problems? Yeah, exactly. I mean, anybody can have these problems, but why, why list them? Well, because they make a transition statement. In the transition statement, they want to set up the kill. And you'll see the killing line in here. But the transition statement says the lifelong toll on families is high. So you'd list all those things you'd think. If you didn't know anything about Down syndrome, you'd think, oh, boy, I wouldn't want to have somebody with Down syndrome. These people are a problem, right? Right, right. So then the transition (laughs) statement, the lifelong toll on families is high. Well, the lifelong toll on our family of having grace in our life made our family better. Period. Oh my goodness. No exception. There was, was no, a- there was no toll on our life at all whatsoever. And I've talked with lots of people with Down syndrome children. I mean, they, they all say the same thing. All right. So then given that that lifelong toll is high and these families wouldn't want these people with all these problems, part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by the healthcare worker. So the healthcare worker has to be programmed to realize these Down syndrome people need to go. They're problems, right? So that's right in the document. All right, so then you get to the killing statement. It says specifically, whenever possible, decision makers, these are the doctors, Mm -hmm. for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment. That's their judgment to make key palliative care decisions. All efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the Mm -hmm. person with Down syndrome may not be known. All right, so guess what? I know the view of every person with Down syndrome on the entire planet. They want to live. (laughs) 
Yeah. So how can you use substituted judgment? Oh, it may not be known. I don't know how they can say that. But this is this is how they do it. Yep. This is how you, when you see the local pharmacy has has uh, the introduction to calling in your prescription, they they play the narrative. This is the narrative that our entire medical profession is trained to implement under the spirit of collectivism, and it is law. Yeah. It is literally law, and I cannot talk enough about this so that people become prepared for what you can face. And this is not just about those with Down syndrome. As you said earlier, it's uh, what, what did he say, the architect, the architect of Obamacare, you, you, not useless eaters. That's I think that's Yuval Noah Harari said that, right. I think. But who was it? Ezekiel Emanuel said Emanuel. that once we're a non-contributing member of society, okay. we okay. don't deserve medical okay. care. Okay, so define non-contributing. That could be someone that's just, you know, been in an accident. They can't work. I'll I, tell you, it's, it's anybody who's not an obedient, tax-paying slave. Hmm. Anybody outside of that circle is a useless eater. So, friends, remember, this is all connected. It all goes back to the fact that we are all uh, worthy and, and we are all unique and valued in God's eyes because we are made in his image. And this agenda at the root, again, is spiritual, and this war is being played out. Please, please, um, you don't have to take everything Scott or I are saying as gospel, but please do your own research, and please don't be naive and think, it couldn't happen in America. Back to the documentary coming out this weekend, Scott. Breaking the Oath. A um, couple of quotes. Um, Ivermectin, a safe drug with 65 years of history, was purposely withheld in favor of remdesivir. And some were fired or even arrested for providing Ivermectin. Why? Well, during the 2018 Ebola outbreak in West Africa... Remdesivir had a death rate of 56%. Anthony Fauci knew all about this and still recommended it. Also, there was an overly ambitious use of ventilators, recommendations of ventilators. Um, uh, they knew that also this deadly drug cocktail would kill, their protocol would kill millions. They knew this. Hospitals, by the way, you've reported on this, Scott, many, many of our podcasts together and your work. Uh, hospitals receive incentives of more than $300,000 per patient for following these protocols. So Big Pharma continues to rake in billions. I just read some quotes from the trailer of Breaking the Oath. Again, you can go to AmericaFirstProductions.com, America. One ST first. If you're in De Pere, Green Bay, uh, Northeast Wisconsin, it will be at the De Pere Cinema Sunday at one o'clock. I got it right this time. Or yeah. 115. <laughs> one fifteen. One o'clock. One fifteen. Um, Scott, we've we've got to wrap it up already. But thanks for all your work. It always goes by pretty fast, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. But good update on the the lawsuit. You're waiting to hear back today. This is their last day to respond, and we'll have to have you back again to find out where. That's going to go. A couple things that I'd like to close with. If you can't come to the De Pere Theater, we have an online version, 7 p.m. Monday. You can go to that same website. And all the staff or all the characters are going to be there, including Vera and Nurse Aaron, uh, for okay. that one to answer questions. A and week from tonight. 
a week from tonight, right. yeah, 7 p.m. So go to that one Online. if you can't make the De Pere Theater. And okay, awesome. Uh, guys, we've got John Haller in studio tomorrow. And uh, we're going to have a prophecy update with him. T.A. McMahon on Wednesday. Julianne Appling Thursday. Pete Garcia Friday. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.